The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Up, episode 882 for Monday, July 26th, 2021. Dave Hamilton and John F. Braun. They are the geeks that turn us on. Talking Mac and iOS. And Pilot Pete might be the guest. Often speak in terminal. They make it cool if you don't know. Just stick around, you'll understand. Just how to enter those commands. Dave Hamilton and John F. Braun. Don't get caught. Greetings, folks. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Up, the show where you send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. We take all of those things, we mash them together into an agenda, and we loosely follow the agenda because the goal is for each and every one of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Otherworld Computing with their USB-C travel dock and BB Edit with their new BB Edit 14. We will talk more about each of those things shortly here. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairville, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And uh, we'll, thank, uh, we'll thank Kurt Lee for creating that intro. I think he wrote that for us like 10 years ago, but I keep it in the files and like to break it out every now and then. So nicely done, Mr. Lee. Uh, let's get to some quick tips, shall we, John? Indeed. All right, uh, Gene brings us the first one, and uh, and we will read it in fist shake take style. Completely hidden in the Photos app is a robust map view, a robust map view for geotagged photos. When viewing a single photo, you can scroll the photo up to reveal a map showing the lo- the photo's location on a fairly detailed scale map. Of course, the scroll bar is on the on the right is hidden until you scroll, giving no indication that there is something there. And this even happens if you have always show scroll bars turned on in the general system preference pane. I don't know why that's the case, John. Maybe it's so that the the photo can can sort of live on the screen when it's in in full window mode. I don't know. Uh you can't seem to find uh, you can't seem to get to this fine map view going through the info panel and the places view is completely useless for locating an individual photo. I have been trying to get a good map view from the info panel for quite some time now. One more example of Apple hiding good things. Yeah, this is cool. I had no idea this is there and it's not just uh, a map view. If there are people in the photo, the the icons for the people will show up there and then you can uh, you can go to the people if you go to the map view, it'll show, as he said, where the photo is uh, photo was taken on the map. And you can click on that and see more photos that were taken in the same location. So that's a pretty cool little I had no idea. Uh, and I have the always show scroll bars turned on. So that's a second little quick tip. If you go to system preferences and then go to general uh, and I'm going there now just to make sure it's there. But, yeah, it's uh, there's a show scroll bars automatically when scrolling or always. And I am very much an always person. I like to see scroll bars. I like to know that they're there. Um, And this sort of throws you off if you don't know. So that's what I got. Anything on that? Or should we, uh, should we move on? Mr. Braun? I'm going to try it out. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's cool. It, it really like it's, I love finding these little hidden things. It's great. All right, uh, Bob brings us, this was interesting. He found a support article called If Your Mac Battery Won't Charge. And in that article, it talks about resetting the SMC, something we talk about all the time and something we talk about doing only on Intel Macs. Well, here's what Apple says. Reset the SMC, which controls how your Mac manages power. If you have a Mac with Apple Silicon, Just restart your computer for other Mac computers. See this other support article about how to reset the SMC. So this tells me that whatever the analog is to SMC, which might just be SMC in Apple Silicon is reset on every restart of the computer. Which is interesting. It's good to know that a restart does more than just a restart. 
which is which it should like there's we have seen very little negative impact of of resetting the SMC on Intel Mac. So it makes sense that why not just, you know, reset whatever that is um, there. So nice, nice find, Bob. That's a I love these little hidden gems is good. More. You've got one from another Bob, I think, right? Yep. Uh, from Bob. Um, uh, I guess this is a follow-up. Um, from your Apple Watch, um, you can do something like this. Hey, S-Lady, remind me when I get home. Mumble, mumble, mumble. You will get a reminder when you get back home. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, as long as you have your home address set, which it, it tries to really intuit. So, yeah, that's pretty good. I like it. It's good. Uh, one last quick tip we have from listener Craig here, John, uh, who reminds us, he says, simply by accident, I stumbled onto a nice quick feature in the Mac OS dock. There is a separator bar between those items permanently in the dock and those items which have just been recently used. And then there's another separator bar between those and the trash can. If you fix your cursor on either of these separator bars and right click, you will get a dock system preferences menu. This is especially helpful when using a dual monitor setup as the dock can shift from one display to the other. Now, using this technique, rather than having to use multiple clicks through system preferences, I can reposition the dock directly with only one click or maybe two. Very cool. Pensacola Craig. I like it. Yep. It's a, it is one of those handy little things. And it's again, not obvious. The beauty, the epitome, in fact, of the quick tip. So it's good. Thoughts on that before we move on to cool stuff found, Mr. Braun. Moving on, moving on. We will let, uh, we will let Todd take it away. I think. Hey, John, Dave, and sometimes Pilot Pete, ADD Todd out of Utah here. Um, current release of Mac Geek Gab. Uh, Steer Mouse was recommended. Um, went ahead and did a little bit of quick research. Got a golden oldie that may do the job better and or cheaper. And the guy's been doing it for roughly... Uh, according to the info as I skimmed through the pages, uh, since before OS 10, U, uh, USB overdrive. Like all the other replacement drivers, they don't touch Apple specific drivers, Apple mouse, Apple keyboard, Apple, Apple, uh, touchpad. But, uh, hey, he's been doing it for a long time. He's up to Big Sur. He may even go ahead and step into the M1 level, whatever OS is going to be running from there. Uh, yeah, OS 11. Sorry, brain dead, brain fart even. Anyway, um, I haven't been caught. You don't get caught either. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Very good stuff. Yeah, I forgot about USB overdrive. That's uh, He's right. That's a golden oldie. But it, But he's also right. That it has been updated, I think, within even the last few weeks uh, with another Big Sur-related uh, update. So, very cool. Thanks, man. That's the idea behind Cool Stuff Found. You want to take us to listener John? John? Uh, yep. Cool. <clears throat> All right. Um, John has another one um, for uh, people that want to get a PDF of a whole web page. Um, this is something that he does... Uh, Pretty often at work. Uh, he used to use a Chrome extension called Awesome Screenshot, but I now found that a Chrome extension Go Full Page is far superior. Use a scrolling of the page to stitch together a full screenshot of a web page. You can then simply click the download PDF. If you upgrade to their premium version, you can also edit, annotate, share, and do other things, but I found the basic good enough for me. Only issue for sites like our main site, which has frozen elements, is they will appear multiple times in the screenshot. No way around that, really. And uh, cool. we'll link to that. Cool. I um, I got, well, <laughs> on that topic, I finally got the answer I've been looking for, John. 
And and that was it came from many of you. Uh, I'll read Jeff's email, but uh, but it came from, I think, Scott and and Steve as well. And maybe even Sean, there were there were many S's involved. But uh, but I will read Jeff's email who says uh, in Mac in Mac Geek 882 and prior, you discussed difficulties in printing web pages from Safari. I have found that in macOS Big Sur, I am able to get excellent renderings of dynamic or static web pages by selecting export to PDF from Safari's file menu and simply saving the file to my drive. The export will include the entire length of the active web page, not just the part that's visible on the screen. And it's totally right. Uh, it makes it not really conducive to printing, of course, because you probably don't have a printer that prints to paper that's that long. But uh, or it'll be very narrow uh, if it if it shrinks it down to fit on one page. But yes, this is exactly what I was looking for is the, a way to get a PDF of a single web page. And it was right there in Safari's file menu the whole time. So thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. And thank you, everybody who sent that in. That's uh, it's nice to nice to put a cap on that one, John. You got some cool stuff found, man. Yeah. So I saw mumblings in my uh Twitter feed um, about something called the Apple MagSafe battery pack. And I'm like, oh, well, that sounds neat. Let me get one. Um, so went to the Apple site. I used um, Apple Pay, which is fun. And I put it on my Apple card. Of course. Um, and it came a few days later. Um, so what is it? Um, it's a battery pack, but it connects using the MagSafe protocol to your um, to your iPhone 12. Interesting. So you, yeah, can, you, you get, can't use it with uh, a third-party case, I would assume, right? You oh, would, yes. It, it works with my case. Really? Yeah, I got one of the spec uh, clear cases. Okay. So yeah, it goes through the case. Um, so, all right, so there are two, two things. So one, uh, you charge it with lightning. Um, and it didn't come fully charged. Okay. Um, I think it, uh, it's about 1400 milliamp hours. So it's not quite a full charge and the phone knows this. So it's interesting when I hooked it up to the phone an alert came up saying iPhone can charge to approximately 90%. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's a nice, uh, nice to let me know that. And then because, you know, Apple makes the whole thing. So check this out. So, um, and you get two status indicators. One, um, when you hook it up is the, the progress that your phone has made. And then it also shows the battery level of the battery pack. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Can you see that? Yeah. See it there. Those you people watching the, the video can see it. Yeah. That for sure. In control center on your iPhone. Mm -hmm. I see it. Yep. Okay. So it just adds one, just like it would add your Apple watches battery, and I think there's other things that you can have added there. So, okay. So it just adds it to control center on your iPhone. Very cool, man. And I just noticed something. See, my phone is flashing. Yes. I think that's, uh, I think that must be infrared. Huh? Uh, yeah, it would have to be. Yeah. If your phone is flashing in the camera on your computer, then that would be, yeah, I guess that you're right. Oh, okay. Infrared, right. So the, the Brio can see, uh, the Logitech Brio sees infrared. Yeah, yeah I, oh, that's I, I, maybe that's, or is it? What would be infrared? Is does the FaceTime does the Face ID camera? I believe yes. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Um. So there's two modes. So you can either slap it on the back of your phone and let it charge. But if uh, the other thing you can do is you can charge it while it's charging your phone and okay. that actually um uh from what i read it actually will provide a little more power if it's being powered itself so oh i see it can pass some of that through you mean uh, while mm -hmm. it's still okay huh that's cool very yeah. cool man um how much was I it mean, i mean 99 bucks is probably a little expensive for the capacity that this has but yeah 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 i agreed but you know it's apple and convenient and you know certified and all that good stuff so mm -hmm. yep yeah brian monroe in the chat room 
uh, confirmed that the Face ID camera uses an IR flood illuminator to do part of to facilitate its job. So, yeah, cool. Fun. I like it. It's good. Uh, next cool stuff found, right? You uh, you want to bring us to Gary? Oh, um, yes. Hold on, Gary. <laughs> Where is he? There he is. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, he saw something that was posted on Twitter by Senator Feinstein. Um, and it's a site that uh, gives you some tips to avoid ransomware. So it's CISA.gov consumer or something, 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 I guess. Um, so the government uh, wants to give you tips to uh, not get ransomware. That's good. The, that's the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the CISA. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, Gary also shared with us another thing uh, that he was asking about called the Mobile Verification Toolkit, which is available on GitHub. So the source is open and visible and vettable. Uh, and the idea is that it is, as, as their description goes, a collection of utilities to simplify and automate the process of gathering forensic traces helpful to identify a, pretend, a potential compromise of both Android and iOS devices. So this is to see if you have spyware installed on your phone. Uh, the way it works with iOS, as I can tell, is that you have to do a local backup to your phone and then it inspects that backup to see if there's anything nefarious in there. So, yeah, I, I would I would say that this is uh, trustable in terms of it's not going to do anything to your phone um, unless you have it manipulate the backup and then restore that backup to your phone. But uh, but yeah, I, I would I would that, that's an interesting thing. Sure. Seems fun. Yeah. Cool. Kansas Dave uh, John says that you can also charge AirPods with your MagSafe battery pack, which makes sense because it's just a MagSafe charger. It's a cheap yes. charger, right? So, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Fun, fun. Thoughts on uh, on that mobile verification toolkit there, John? Uh, I've got to check it out. I know it's a, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing. Okay. Uh, let's see. Jim has a cool stuff found for us. Uh, we've talked about similar things over the years, but I don't think this one has ever come up. He says, uh, I am fortunate enough, uh, to be retired and be able to spend the winters in Florida. We also usually take a five to six week long driving vacation in the summer, both of which cause us to be away from our primary residence for about six months of the year. During such periods, I leave my internet service online primarily for the security camera system, but also such things as like water temperature and CO sensors to let us know if there's a problem while we are away. I have my provider's uh, gateway in bridge mode connected to my Synology router. And uh, while I have fairly good internet service, there are occasional glitches and outages which occur. In the past, my experience has been sometimes those glitches self-correct on one or both of my boxes, and sometimes a reboot of one or both is necessary. Said reboot from afar is my problem. I can't use a resettable outlet because, of course, there is no resetability if I don't have Wi-Fi in my house, chicken and egg. But I came across this. It's called Keep Connect, and I found it to be an excellent way to solve my issues. After a loss of Wi-Fi signal, this device continues to reboot your router, or in my case, both my gateway and my router, in the proper order, no less, until connection is reestablished, all without in intervention from me. It's a pretty cool little thing. Yeah, it's um, we've seen these before that, that, that essentially do the same thing. You, you connect it to your Wi-Fi network. It checks for an Internet signal occasionally. If it doesn't see one, then uh, or it doesn't see Wi-Fi, it cycles power on the outlet and then waits and tries again a little bit later. Uh, it's 50 bucks. That seems to be about twice the price that I remember these types of things being when we talked about it in the past, John. But, um, but you know, uh, if, if that's what they cost these days, that's what they cost. So very cool. I, and I like this idea. If you're traveling a lot, I can see this being super handy. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I I also highly recommend in general, but also very specifically for routers, uh, putting them on a battery backup system, a UPS type of system, a that keeps power flickers from causing issues with your devices. And because oftentimes the connection itself will remain just fine when there's a power flicker because the your service provider uses battery backups. So if you have the ability to put uh, those your internal devices, the devices inside your house on battery backup, you will see a lot less of these types of issues. Doesn't mean, though, that it wouldn't also be good to have this in the line, too. So good, good. Uh, what's next here? Oh, Donna, John, Donna's got something, uh, well for all of us, but maybe also for you. She found, uh, from the retro Mac cast podcast, throwboy.com has some blankets that are Mac OS themed. And, uh, and I was thinking if you're going to, uh, avoid putting blinds or something more typical behind you. Uh, you could get one of these throw blankets with a Mac OS logo or hmm. an old, there's a 1984 throw blanket that has the, like a Mac plus on it. Uh, they've got uh, one with a, a game boy on it. They've got old cassette tapes, VHS tapes. It's pretty cool. So, uh, so thank you for sending that along. They're about 50 bucks a piece, give or take and 47, I guess hmm, nice. it's all exactly the same. So yeah, man, I know. That I think you I think you might like the uh, the 1984 one. So anyway, I share. Thank you, Donna. Actually, it was Donna who shares. I'm just I just read. We're just we're just the uh, we're just the stewards of this content. <laughs> we pass it along. You want to take us to Bob? Yes, Bob says Dave was having issues with Evernote using the new interface. Were you? No, I think it was you. It was having I, problems with, Ever, with Evernote's new interface. It doesn't um, um, uh, so a suggestion is to use Joplin, um, joplinapp.org. I was able to transfer my notes from Evernote to Joplin. The thing that was most interesting to me was I can use my Synology for the backing store. I got a myname.synology.me DDNS and pointed Joplin to the storage area on my Synology. I did port forward through my Eero to get access to the Synology drive. I have access from all my Macs and my iPhone. Uh, for sharing between uh, for for sharing between us, you might need to set up a Joplin account on Synology, or maybe your advanced Synology knowledge may have some other tricks. Okay, cool. I've never heard of it. I so. never heard of that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it doesn't look like it supports AppleScript, which is our issue, mm. right? Because Evernote did support AppleScript and does in our current in the version we currently use, but not in the current version. They they changed the foundational code, and uh, yeah. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure what to do for our note um, sharing. We our our current workflow works really well, but being able to AppleScript from uh, typing a reply to one of your emails and having that automatically populate everywhere that it needs to populate, including putting it in the right Evernote notebook is well it's pretty pretty spectacular um for us makes makes things very efficient so i'm not sure what to do if anybody finds a note-taking app that supports apple script let us know feedback at macgeekgab.com did you say feedback at macgeekgab.com i did and feedback at macgeekgab.com is easy for you to say evidently and not so much for me but uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com is also where you can send in your uh, questions, tips, and cool stuff found. So, you know, there you go. Where are we on time here? Uh, let's see. Sure. We've been kicking this one down, the, this particular can down the road. We can get a little bit geeky here. Jesse shares a, uh, a little bit of a geeky cool stuff found and says... Over the years, I've learned just enough Apple script and terminal commands to get my Mac to do what I want. But I've always had a problem getting my Mac to do what I wanted when I wanted. I've used I used to use Automator to create calendar alarms, but they were temperamental and unreliable. I'm sure I injured a few scalp follicles due to my hair pulling in frustration. I tried out the apps Power Manager and Keyboard Maestro. I was able to use them to create and schedule macros, and they certainly are wonderful. But then I got caught by the do-it-yourself bug. I decided, so this is a good kind of getting caught. I decided to see if I could use the Mac's built-in capabilities to achieve what I wanted. When I learned about launch agents, I felt like Hermione Granger discovering a powerful spellbook. 
Launch agents often get mentioned in the context of looking for agents installed by third parties or even those that are malicious software uh, in order to remove them. However, they are simply a way that macOS allows talking to Launch D, the powerful demon that runs uh, its system startup and loads and runs services on demand. I decided to create my own launch agents. It turned out to be very doable for a mere mortal. I now have written 10 such launch agents to run various Apple scripts on my Mac at the times I find most useful. You can also schedule shell scripts or automator workflows if those are your things. Why bother? First, to go by beyond the limits of the Mac GUI. And second, for the fun of it. I have agents that sleep my Mac at different times on different days. Oh, that's interesting. Orchestrate which AirPlay speakers should play what, when, and how loud. Mount and run my time machine backups on my chosen schedule. Export archives of my calendars and contacts weekly. Oh, this is getting interesting. Randomize my screensaver daily and more. I finally feel like my powers of automation on the Mac have caught up to what I can do with shortcuts on iOS. Now I feel like Hermione having just mastered the big spell book. There are plenty of articles on the on the net and and Jesse, uh, she gives us a few of them. So we will put those on. Uh, we will put those in the show notes. But yeah, this is very cool. Um, so these articles talk about truly creating your own from from scratch out of whole cloth. Uh, there is uh, an app called Lingon that we have talked about many times on the show that lets you see the launch agents that are there. You can delete them. You can disable them. You can edit them. And yes, you can create new ones. So Lingon might be another tool for people like Jesse who want to do this kind of thing. Uh, but, you know. There you go. So very cool. Thank you for sharing that, Jesse. I, I know I said it was a little geeky. It's it's only a little geeky because you're right. These launch agents are not difficult to build. And uh, and with some of the articles that you gave us, I think people can can get rolling. So, yeah, you're right. This is, huh, this is interesting. I'll have to think about the, the automations that I do and whether I want to move some of those to my own handcrafted launch agents. So this is cool. Uh, in the chat room, Kiwi Graham is saying launch control might be another app to, to do some of this. So I will put that in the show notes and we will check it out and you can check it out. Yeah, it's a, it's from Somazone. So, uh, that wouldn't surprise me that they would have an app like that. I feel like we've talked about it before the launch D GUI. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and is that launch, uh, uh, Lingon is not free. I don't know if launch control is free or or not not sure i think it might be yeah i'm downloading it now so it certainly downloads for free download as trial versions test them okay shop let's see personal licenses boy uh launch control 18 bucks so there you go yeah awesome thanks jesse thanks kiwi graham fun stuff i like it you want to take us to uh listener john with a cool stuff found yes um John says, um, I was doing some research for my new car, a Tesla, which I talk more about in another tip. And I found two really cool things. Um, one, I decided to repurpose a Samsung T7 SSD to use for my security and dash cameras in the Tesla instead of a USB stick for greater storage. Neat. Um, <clears throat> and also better speed. While researching, I found out that Samsung has a free magician software that will let you address their SSDs and you can even control the over-provisioning, which is critical because if I use it for a security camera, then there are a lot of writes and rewrites. So I got a one terabyte and actually added like 200, added 200 gigabytes to the over-provisioning to protect the drive. And then number two, an app for Tesla owners that is totally awesome, Stats. It not only adds a whole bunch of statistics you can look at, but you can also do more controlling than you can with the stock Tesla app. And it allows you to create Siri shortcuts via itself to be able to do voice controls for specific actions. It's not cheap, but it is awesome. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think it's like 50 bucks. But um, that's, yeah, I can, I can see where that would be worth spending the money on. If you had a Tesla and you wanted to dig in a little bit more, 50 bucks is, is probably short money for that. So, yeah, cool. All right, uh, I got one more cool stuff found. Then we'll talk about our sponsors. We finally get to talk about the new BB Edit, and then uh, and then we'll share some more of your tips and questions and keep on rocking here. Um, the The next cool stuff found that I have is Synology just launched C two Password, and their free plan is available. So C two 
is Synology's hosting arm, right? They up until now, C2 has basically been used for sort of raw storage backups and things like that. It's also used for their hybrid cloud uh, that rolled out with DSM seven. Now C2 password is their password manager. Um, it is, it's probably not full featured enough for us Mac users or Apple users yet, but the free plan is, uh, I signed up for it. They allow you to store 10,000 items in the vault. They will import via a, a CSV file. So you could export your one password stuff or your last pass stuff or whatever you have. Uh, it has a password generator. It's got the uh, one-time password authenticator built into it. Secure file transfer. You can, uh, you can get your one-time passwords via email if you want. And you can, let's see. And, and they have mobile apps, sort of, not yet for us. And also the extension, I think, only works in Chromium browsers. So like Chrome and Edge right now, not Safari. So it's, but, you know, Synology has been great about, um, about, uh, you know, apps for iPhone users. And so I'm expecting if that's not already out, I'm expecting it will come soon. Uh, I'm looking as we're talking here, John, to see if, uh, if there is C2 password app in the app store yet. And there is not, but I expect that we will see one soon. So keep your eyes peeled. I wouldn't recommend switching to it yet unless all of the things I mentioned sound like they are perfect fits for you. But uh, but I'm excited, you know, excited to uh, to see that out there. So any thoughts on that, Mr. Braun? No, no. All right. Um, well, then I'm good with cool stuff found if you're good and I'm ready to go on to our sponsors if you are. OK. First up today is Bare Bones, and I am very excited that we get to talk about BB Edit 14. It's true. They put out another version. It's amazing. Uh, a lot is the same. I mean, like their generous eval mode, 30 days of full functional app that you get to try it out. Uh, fresh eval period for all customers. If you used an old version, you get the full 30 days with... 14 that's cool and then there's discounted upgrade pricing if uh depending on which previous version you have but after the 30 days it remains functional in in free mode which gives you a lot a lot one of the cool things that i love about bb edit 14 i have often probably more often than i care to admit used bb edit to write notes for myself this is something Evidently, lots of people do. And what you wind up with is a list of, you know, about 400 untitled documents, because that's what happens when you add a note. Well, no longer. BB Edit has a notes feature. And when you start typing a note, it titles it much like Apple Notes with the first line of the note so that you can actually go and find things. Really smart for them to do this. It'll allow me to have my code separate from the little snippets of information that I capture while I'm in there doing things with my code and other things like that. Very cool stuff. It's super smooth. There's so much more that they've put in there that I can't wait to tell you about for now. Just go check it out. Barebones.com. BB Edit 14. Thanks to Barebones for sponsoring this episode. Next up is Otherworld Computing with their OWC USB-C travel dock. I have used lots of different travel docks over the past couple of years now that we're fully immersed in USB-C land. I was teaching that class at UNH last semester. I was using an off-brand different travel dock. It wouldn't work with like the, the camera that they have. They have this owl 3D camera thing. And then I had to plug in my HDMI so that I could, you know, display on the screens and all that stuff. No bueno. Didn't work. That's because not all USB ports are created equal. I got the OWC USB-C travel dock, plugged it in. Camera works on all three ports. I didn't have to do any guesswork. When you're teaching a class for the first time, and I don't mean that particular class for the first time, like literally I am not a teacher. So there's a lot of stress that went through my head each time that I got into that classroom. It was super nice to know that I had no stress from my USB-C travel dock. 
truly to be able to get there, plug in and know that, okay, the technology is working. Now all I got to do is teach easier said than done, but at least the tech worked. OWC's USB-C travel doc made that happen for me. It can make it happen for you. Go check it out. It's uh, it's online there at maxsales.com. Of course, we've got a link in the show notes and our thanks to OWC for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, we have uh, we have an interesting little uh, tidbit from listener Todd. So Todd's tidbits. My wife and I traveled from the U.S. to Italy and returned last week. I put an air tag in each of our checked bags. We were able to track them through our multiple legs from the U.S. to our destination in Italy. After a great time in Italy, we started our three leg return flights home. All went well until our final leg, JFK to IAD. The flight was canceled one and a half hours prior to departure late on a Saturday evening with bad storms up and down the East Coast. We ended up crashing at a family member's house in Long Island and catching a flight the next day out of LaGuardia. Our checked bags remained at JFK. No worries. The Find My App showed them at Terminal 4 at JFK the entire time. Monday, they were flown to IAD. Then a courier who picked them up, presumably with an iPhone, because we could track their progress, to our home the entire time. Good real-world results with AirTags. I like it. That's great. Yeah, I've... I, in the past, I always put tiles in my luggage, and with our upcoming travels, uh, I will definitely be using air tags for the same purpose. That's that's great, Todd. I like it. I like it. Fun. Did you did you see the? Um, I forget which YouTuber it was sent uh, air tags in the mail. I think they were in like France, maybe. Anyway, France or Germany or something sent air tags in the mail to uh, a few places. One was like North Korea and it didn't make it. Um, <laughs> or maybe it did, but you can't track air tags in North Korea because the functionality is dis- disabled there. And then the other two were sent one to Elon Musk and one to Tim Cook. The one to Elon Musk went into like the last its last known location was a, uh, 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 like a recycling factory or something. So it was destroyed. Uh, <laughs> the one sent to Tim Cook, was actually sent back from uh, the office of the president at Apple or the office of the CEO, I guess. And uh, with a letter from one of uh, the, you know, Tim Cook's assistants saying, uh, thanks for sending this. What a cool thing. Here's your air tag back. And, uh, and you know, yada, yada, yada. Very cool. You know, check the box. So eh, I don't know. Fun. It's cool. What's amazing to me and shouldn't be amazing is, that with Tile, you know, people had to have the Tile app on their phone in order to track these things, whereas now people just need the latest build of iOS and and it sort of does it as long as the phone is new enough. And there there's enough of a there's critical mass. There's way more than critical mass out there to just track air tags no matter where they are, which that's the amazing part to me, which is cool. So it's fun. Mm. Yeah. The thing I did like about Tile is that you could use your Tile to find your phone. Can't you do that with an AirTag? No, I guess not. There's no button on the AirTag to do that. That's right. No. Right. I, try, I tried right. pressing it and yeah, it didn't work. Right. Yeah. Well, get yourself an Apple Watch. Then you can mm-hmm. find your phone with your watch. Uh, yeah. It is fun. All right. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Todd. Good little. It's It's good. Like. Not only is it interesting, it's it's actually good. All right. Uh, Kirit has a question, John. Kirit writes, I have some old defunct email accounts that are listed in Apple Mail that I have not used for years. However, I am finding it very difficult to delete them. Uh, every time I delete one, it comes back being synced via iCloud. Do you have any ideas? Um yeah. So when you go to remove one of these accounts, it says, do you want to remove this IMAP account, blah, 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 from all your computers using iCloud Keychain? Removing it from all computers will remove it from this Mac, and then it'll list other devices that it's going to remove it from. And you can click cancel or remove from all. Uh, and it will go away. And then it will come back. You'll get this new accounts added uh, notification, and back they are. I have seen this exact same thing. And the way I've solved it is by deleting it and then going to one of the other Macs. If it comes back and deleting it from there, one of the Macs is deciding to act as the master. And so going around to all of the computers 
that have that sync to it has been the way I've been able to do it. I'm sure there's other ways. And if you know of them, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Uh, but that's, that's, that's how I have solved that problem in the past. And it, it's, it's, you know, persistence. It's a little bit of brute forcing. So uh, have you seen this before, John? No. Interesting. Yeah. So would you, would you solve it a different way? Um, when I've had, I'm wondering if there is stuff left in the keychain. Oh, that's, I'm sure it is. It's, it's iCloud keychain that's doing this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just maybe popping into the keychain. Yeah. Oh, I don't know that you would see it in keychain access. I, I, I don't mm. think they're listed there. Let me pull this up. No. Um, I don't, uh, I don't think so. Let's see. What would I, what do I call my mail accounts? Let me, let me look. So if I go into system preferences, internet accounts, I have one. Okay. That is called BBM IMAP alt. And no, there is nothing in my, uh, well, let's see. BBM IMAP. Oh no. You gotta be able to type to be able to do this stuff. No. It's not there. It's not in my iCloud. It's not listed in keychain access. It is syncing via iCloud keychain, but it's mm-hmm. not manipulatable in the mm-hmm. keychain access app. No, it, it, it would be nice if it were. Yeah, yeah. Good call. I, I, I like that line of thinking, though. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I do. See, yeah, I see some uh, application password entries. I, I just searched for one of my emails. Yeah. And it did come up, so... For the pat, the password will be there for sure. Hmm. But this is the account that lives in right. system preferences, internet accounts. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, you can tie it to mail and contacts and calendars and notes and, you know, whatever else the account officially supports. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I think I, I, I keychain access isn't where they live or where they're visible. Uh, I think the only place in the GUI that you can see them is in internet accounts. But, um, so, yeah. Okay. Hopefully removing it from the other devices will work. Uh, I suppose what you could do is remove it and then uh, log out of iCloud and then go remove it from another machine and log out of iCloud and remove it from another until there's none left and then log just one machine back in. Let it do its syncing. If it comes back again, well, now you know there's only one place that it's being stored. So remove it from that. Hopefully that will, you know, kind of become the master. That's the, that's the trick there. So. All right. Uh, you want to, uh, you want to take us to Bob? Bob got a quick one here. All right. Bob says, sometimes when attempting to connect to hotel or public hotspots, you need to tickle the login page. You can often use one of the following URLs to wake up the login page, either neverssl.com or captive.apple.com. Yes, that's it. it, These and the key about both of the URLs that John just mentioned there is using HTTP, not HTTPS, because the issue most of the time is that the captive portal pages, uh, work by doing a DNS redirect uh, in a, in a hotel. And of course, it, if you, if it tries to show you, if you try to load, let's say, uh, you know, Microsoft.com, right. HTTPS Microsoft.com. And what's delivered to you is a site that doesn't have a certificate that matches Microsoft.com. Your Mac's just going to stop dead in its tracks. It's not going to do anything. And that's a problem. So going to load a site that, you know, will never use SSL is the key. And that's what, HTTP colon slash slash never SSL does Apple's captive portal at captive.apple.com does the same thing. So yeah, no, that's, I've used that many times. That's a, that's good advice. Yeah. And, um, just a, a, a tip from me regarding this is, uh, I would have that problem sometimes, um, on iOS settings, Wi-Fi, the SSID of the, uh, access point, uh, there's an auto join, okay, uh, choice which you can turn on and turn off. So for those, uh, so for those access points, um, if you're going to use them again, you may want to say auto join. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, I even with auto join, I've found sometimes I still get the captive portal page. But hmm. it, you're right. iOS is smart about remembering that for a lot of them. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Cool. We put links to both of those things in there, but but never SSL is an easy one to remember. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's good. Is good. It is good. All right. Um uh, John. Not you. Well, you, because we're going to talk about a question from listener John. I, I love this question. Uh, he asks, I've got three Sam, Samsung 500 gig T5 external SSDs. I'm using a Mac Mini 2018 with a one terabyte internal SSD running Big Sur. Is it possible or even practical somehow to combine these external drives to make a larger one terabyte or 1.5 terabyte SSD for backups or data storage rather than buying another single large SSD and is being portable versus internal in this setup an issue. So no, uh, all of the above is totally fine. And believe it or not, Mac OS will do it for you. Uh, If you go into disk utility, go to the file menu, you will see raid assistant. When that comes up, it will ask you to choose from one of three options, striped, mirrored, or concatenated, which is a JBOD. For what you're doing, uh, it sounds like you probably want to do a JBOD, which is a just a bunch of disks. So it can put them all together and you get the full storage of whatever you've put in there. There's no fault tolerance because it's not really RAID, uh, but you get all the storage pulled together as one volume. Now, the issue would be if one of those drives dies. Then that's the end of that. Maybe you'll have to see. So make sure to keep a backup. But otherwise, yeah, that that'll do it, which is pretty cool. Have you ever done this, John? No. Okay. I thought for some reason, I thought you did it with like a um, a bunch of USB sticks once or something. Um, I've suggested. That one. Yeah, I, I never pursued it, but the thing is, you know, I have hundreds of, uh, you know, these USB sticks. Yeah. You know, we get them, you know, press kits on them usually. Um, I was thinking if I could get a USB hub with enough uh, plugs that you could put all those drives in there and then make one big disc. But I never pursued it. And it probably wouldn't be that fast. Oh, it'd be terribly slow. But but like for the SSDs, if you if you have enough USB Mm -hmm. three ports, yeah, that would work. That would work. Yeah. 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 I let I let my raids take care of that. Right. Right. That's the thing is once you. Yeah. 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 Of course. Of course. But having like having a direct attached um, drive for like photos can't be stored on your on a NAS. Right. So they have to be stored on a direct attached drive. So if you want them external, then putting them, uh, you know, on one of these JBOD things, just make sure that all the disks stay there and then back it up somewhere like to your NAS or something like that. So, mm-hmm. All right. You want to take us to uh, listener John with some CarPlay fun? Yes. John has some CarPlay hacks. So as I mentioned above, I got a Tesla. I used to have a Volvo XC60. Just fair warning. I've drunk with the Kool-Aid, put the clerical collar on me. And call me an evangelist. I love my Tesla, but I'll promote any electric vehicle that is decently made. Okay, two CarPlay hacks. The first is if you have a wired CarPlay in your car and you are jonesing for that sweet, sweet wireless CarPlay, most cars can use a small device out of China that will plug into the CarPlay USB port in the car and turn it into wireless CarPlay without any real intervention on the user's part, except maybe a little firmware upgrade now and then. There are a bunch of knockoffs. But I found one that one to be the original CarLink. CarLink it. Okay. Yeah. No, CarLink, CarLink would be the one for, for that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You must check your car in their compatibility list. Most work. My Volvo did, but my wife Subaru did not, and it's not on the list. Um, the Uber Geek CarPlay hack when you don't have CarPlay. Uh, okay, so I love my Tesla, but I also love my Apple devices and my CarPlay. Um, I still want the MGG app to have a CarPlay icon. Fist shake. Okay. Um, Fist shake received. <laughs> um, so I did a whole bunch of geek search. See what I did there? And came up with the following way to add CarPlay to any car that doesn't have it. Um, I got myself a refurb 
8-inch Amazon Fire HD tablet for 45 bucks. Yeah, an Android tablet to serve Apple CarPlay. Isn't that rich? Uh, you can use a lot of different Android platforms, but it has to be fairly recent and use a USB-C as the charge interface because that supports on-the-go cables. Uh, I then got a J5 Create USB-C media adapter, like the Apple one, but cheaper, that has a USB-A and a USB-C for power. It also has an HDMI, but that is unused. Um, then you need a connector brain of a CarLink adapter, but a different one than the above solution. It is for non-CarPlay Android head units. Mm. Then you need some kind of mount for the tablet. Um, and there's a mount. If your car doesn't have USB-C power ports, then you will need to have a 12-volt USB-C power adapter for your car to the list. Um, armed with the above, you download the Android app on the Fire tablet. The URL to download it in the CarLink adapter box on uh, the documentation in very tiny print. Then you plug the CarLink kit into the media adapter, connecting USB-C power as well, and then plug the media adapter into the tablet. Run the AutoKit app on the tablet, and then once it recognizes everything, you can Bluetooth pair it to your iPhone, which will do the CarPlay handshake and then switch to Wi-Fi. Boom, you know, I have wireless CarPlay. Huh. Um, as a side note, the latest software update did something really cool. When the adv- in the advanced settings of the app, you can set the audio channel to Bluetooth. What that will do is leave your phone paired via Bluetooth to the car for audio input-output, as you have probably had until now, and the controls are all paired into the CarPlay. That means you don't have to figure out an audio connection from the tablet to your car stereo speakers and mics. Wow. What a hack. That's great. Mm -hmm. I will ask uh, John, or maybe you can reply to John and ask him to publish that in the forums because he's got some pictures and everything, and that would be great, and then we can link to Mm -hmm. that uh, here. Wow. Yeah, very cool. (laughs) What a great thing, though, to have CarPlay in. uh, I love that using an Android screen for that. What a smart, that's Mm -hmm. a smart move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You folks need to see these pictures, so we'll see if John will post these in the... uh, in the forums for us. Very, very cool stuff. All right. Um, we've got, you know, I'm thinking we don't need to go super long today, John. And I want to talk about, uh, there's a few more that, that I think we can do that, that would be good. Jed had, uh, had an interesting question. He says, um, I'm approaching a new project and I have a problem that I always, always struggle with. and wondering if you have any ideas or maybe the hive mind has some, says, I'll be working on a six-month project where I get over a 100 video clips that I may or may not use. I'm editing a TV show, and we're getting a lot of archival footage. They do not come in all at once, and keeping them organized is super time-intensive and prone to the worst kind of error, a.k.a. human. And this is where the problem goes beyond me looking for a simple solution, but uh, just for me, but maybe more useful for a wider circle of people. Is there a way to drop everything into one folder? And have that folder be watched by the Mac. And then whenever a new file is added, just to have that file name added to a text document or even better, a Google Sheet. Uh, in the past, I've taken huge contents of folders, selected them all and copied them and then pasted them using page and paste and match style to create a file list. But then I copy them into the Google Sheets and organize them. I can put where they came from and maybe some other information. And when new files come in. I need to do this manually, which isn't the end of the world, but it does feel a whole lot like the kind of automation a computer can do. Okay, so whenever I hear I want to watch a folder, immediately my mind jumps to Hazel from NoodleSoft because that's what Hazel does is it watches folders. And uh, and so that's, I think, going to be the key here. I use Hazel to actually to do something very similar to what uh, Jed's doing here. When we get your audio comments in, we want to put those into Evernote, like we were talking about earlier in the show. Uh, But that's tedious, right? So what I have is a specific folder that actually not only is shared amongst all my computers, but is also shared to John's computers. And whenever any of us save a file into that, Hazel watches that folder. And when it sees something new, it springs into action. And in my case, runs an Apple script, but it only runs on one of my Macs, so it's not trying to fire off all at the same time. Uh, and then that puts a copy of the file into Evernote, moves the original to the trash. Uh, it could rename it. It could do all lot the kinds of things. Uh, so that would be, I, I think Hazel is going to be your your thing here because Hazel can do all kinds of different things 
to a file, again, including running not just AppleScript, but Automator, Shell scripts, and even JavaScripts on these. So you've got a lot. And then and then also, you know, it can move and rename and copy and do all, all sorts of things that are baked uh, features that are baked into Hazel. But I think Hazel is going to be your key for watched folders. It is sort of the, the path to automation when that's involved. So that would be that would be my answer. I don't know if you have a different thought on that, John. Mm, no. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Did you even know that that happened? I, I think you've done it once or twice and just had it magically appear in Evernote. I don't know that you and I have ever talked about that. So, um, yeah. So that's what that's there for. Not that there's a folder called like MGG audio comments or something that's synced in our MGG shared folder. So, mm. yeah. You want to share Walt's uh, follow up? Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, so we were talking about document management software and I babbled something about uh, Fujitsu makes something, but I didn't um, follow up. So I'm going to follow up. It's called ScanSnap Home. Um, it's the uh, successor to ScanSnap Manager. Um, but then ScanSnap Manager broke with uh, with an OS upgrade. So they came and they came up with something new. So um, it's free. Um, it'll do, it'll, you know, do searchable PDFs, which is nice. So I guess they licensed, uh, something. Um, cool. So yeah, links in the show notes, click on that and, uh, see, uh, if you want to try out their, uh, their software. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Fun stuff. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. We have a question from Andrew, um, who asks, I have a consulting client with a 2015 iMac who I helped wipe her original two terabyte Apple Fusion drive with the max number of scrubs. But now she wants to sell it. So can you go over the best way for her to install an OS and which one? Uh, I think Catalina makes sense, but maybe Mojave. Does she just need to create a username and password uh, using her name or any uh, or you know, what's the right way to do this? And can she also go to network preferences and delete any of her SSD SSIDs from her Wi-Fi networks? So um, actually, I think you're you the way I like to do it is far simpler than the questions you're asking, because you're right. Worrying about, you, you know, putting SSIDs in and removing those and username and password and what do you use? And, you know, do you got to worry about iCloud drive and all that stuff. What I would do, the first thing I do is deauthorize from Apple Music or if the machine's old enough, iTunes, uh, so that you don't run into that problem down the road. Because once you format the drive, you can't do that anymore other than doing it widespread. And that can be kind of a pain in the neck. So once I've done that, um, I wipe, I boot into recovery mode. I wipe the drive. I install the latest OS that will install on it. Uh, that's where I always start with these things. If I'm, you know, repurposing a machine to give to a family member or to sell or whatever, whatever the latest OS is, that's what I put on it. And then when it reboots and gets to the part where the OS is fully installed and it's asking you those questions where if you leave it on that screen long enough, it starts speaking to you in, in many different languages, turn off the computer and ship it. That's it. Because that way, the person who gets it has that, fresh out of the box experience. You don't have to give them a username and password. You don't have to worry that you, there is a username and password on there because it's not yours is yours is not part of this. You've just wiped the drive. You've installed a fresh OS. They get to start and walk in from scratch. They can use migration assistant. They are the ones setting up the very first user account and it's all clean and pristine. So that's how I do it. And it's worked well for me over the years. So uh, obviously, if somebody has uh, a better or different suggestion, feedback at MacGeekUp.com. But that's how I do it. I, what do you do, John, when, in that scenario? Um, I can't find his note here. It doesn't matter. I've, the note's gone. It, it, I, I just I read it from another thing. So ah. just just answer. <laughs> it's, we, we've talked enough. What, do you, what would you do when prepping a new iMac? Um, or prepping, prepping prepping a a Mac for sale, right? You've had a Mac, and now you're letting it go to someone else. Oh, um, what I would do is do what Apple says. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Let me let me find the uh, let me find the article. 
Well, we can put a link in the show notes later. What is what's generally Apple's um, advice? Yeah, here we on go. That? What to do before you sell, give away, or trade in your Mac? Great. So they got a support article: create a backup, sign out of iTunes, sign out of iCloud, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. So okay, I'll, I'll, I'll link to this uh, little do, ditty here. Do they? Um, I, I put the link in the show notes for you. Do, does Apple in that say, uh, they say sign out of iCloud, sign out of iMessage, reset the NVRAM, erase your hard drive and reinstall macOS. After macOS installation is complete, the Mac restarts to a setup assistant that asks you to, asks you to choose a country or region to leave the Macs in an, Mac in an out-of-the-box state. Don't continue. Instead, press Command-Q to shut down the Mac. Ah, so there's the part that I didn't know. Command-Q, at that. I've just turned it off at that point, but evidently Command-Q will let it shut down nicely, which is even better. When the new owner turns on the Mac, the setup assistant guides them through the setup process. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. That's great. Cool. Uh, all right. Listener Rick asked um, sort of the opposite question. My friend has a 2014 27-inch iMac that is annoyingly slow uh, with 24 gigs of memory. My suggestion for getting extra life from it uh, was, to, at least until the 27-inch, the larger uh, Apple Silicon iMac is available, is to either replace the internal hard drive with an SSD or just use an external SSD as the startup disk. But I don't know if the Thunderbolt is fast enough to be worthwhile. Your recommendations would be appreciated. So, yeah, that that 27 inch that is the OG Retina iMac, right? That's the first of the Retina iMacs and is what I had in my office up until that new M1 Mini arrived that I traded that domain for a couple of months ago. And quite honestly, I, I got it with an SSD out of the gate. And with that SSD in there, it did fine. Mm -hmm. Like it was doing fine even up until you know, a couple of months ago. So I would definitely say that putting an SSD as its boot drive is the answer. I would not rip it open and do that unless you have some reason to want to have an SSD inside it in the future. It's an iMac. It's not portable. Uh, having an external drive that you boot from is no problem with that Mac. So I would just go with an external SSD. And then uh, when you, when it's time to move to whatever the next Mac is, you can take that SSD with you and, you know, migration assistant from it to the internal drive of the new Mac and then use that SSD for whatever you want. Maybe it's that's your external storage for your, um, you know, for your photos library or whatever. Um, and that way you could get a smaller internal drive for your next iMac and you've got this external drive to do your storage with. So that's that's what I would do. I don't know. What do you what would you do, John? I'm with you. OK. Yeah. Cool. Um, what um now that that machine has. Uh, USB three, I would assume. Oh yeah, it's Thunderbolt two. Um, and Thunderbolt two. Yep. Okay. Yep. Which is what twenty? Twenty. It's yeah. It's twenty gigabit Thunderbolt. That's right. Yes. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, either of those should. Yeah. Should be snappy enough. It, exactly. Yeah. No. It it that machine runs super fast. It's it's great. Uh, you know, make sure it's got enough RAM in it. But it sounds like it already does. So yeah, it's good. All right. You got anything else you want to do, John, or is it time to uh, to maybe uh, give our listeners back some of the time that we've we've borrowed from them over the years? <laughs> um, let's let's get the uh, let's get the hook. Let's get the hook. The hook's on. <laughs> it's good. Thanks for listening, folks. We will uh, we will head back to the mailbag and uh, and see you there. We've actually got lots of stuff still to talk about. Gosh, I have we have a whole section of cool stuff found that we've that we've not gotten to yet. So there's lots of things to do. Uh, for those of you that watch the and listen live, and if you don't, you can at, uh, at live.macgeekab.com, and you can subscribe to the calendar at macgeekab.com slash calendar. We're doing two shows next week, Thursday morning and Friday morning. Normally we're on Friday mornings Eastern time. Uh, we're also doing Thursday morning, so... If, uh, if either of those works for you and you want to join us, live.macgeekup.com is where you go. And again, macgeekup.com slash calendar. Uh, that's the same calendar that John and I use. So it is guaranteed to be correct because if it's on there, we're here. And if it's not on there, we're not going to be here. So that's what I got. Uh, you got any uh, anywhere else to send them, John, before we, before we move on here? Oh, yeah. I just okay. went here. Um, YouTube.com slash Mackie Gab Podcast, I think is the uh, 
I think that's right. The URL. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were, or I was asked to uh, watch the video. Watch the videos. And a, and a few a few things uh, bothered me. <laughs> are you, are you, what, do you want to talk about those things or are you, you just working on them, fixing them? No, no, it was just, uh, I changed a few things on my video setup here. Cool. Cool. Well, you look good and sound good today. Although at some point, well, we'll see. There's all, there's all kinds of things to do. There's always tweaks to be made. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, that's what I got. All right, folks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for checking out all our sponsors. Of course, the two sponsors from this episode, barebones.com and maxsales.com, where you can check out BB Edit 14 and the OWC USB-C Travel Dock, respectively. Of course, you can check out all the other sponsors if you go to macgeekgab.com slash sponsors. And that's what we got. Make sure you go check those out. We we keep all the deals alive there for you. Macgeekgab.com slash sponsors. Good stuff. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. I mean, it, it seems only fitting to let this happen. Don't, don't get caught, get caught, get caught, get caught. Made up.